What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thanks so much for making Coast to Coast your first listen for this NBA offseason coverage. We're going to be continuing our series of uh, looking at some teams that got a, a lot of questions to answer as we head into the new season. This week, we're talking Timberwolves and Los Angeles Clippers. But before we get into it, Chris, how you doing, man? Pretty good. Glad to get back into talking about West Coast. Uh, we have a special uh, historical player to talk about today. But uh, good, man. Always good to talk some ball. We're in the midst of nothing happening besides Harden, which I don't know if we want to talk about. I think that was that yesterday afternoon. So it's a little bit fresh. You want to start with that? Let's I mean, talk about yeah, like this that, really that's, awkward situation. That's, that's, that's part of that's part of uh, the, the Clippers conversation, too. So we can get, we can get right into the, the Harden stuff. Really weird. The Harden stuff. Super weird. He does has no interest in going back. He's not going to show up for training camp, but Philly had decided they're going to end training uh, trade talks and bring him back. It's just, uh, I, I don't see where the resolution is going to come here. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I told you, man. I told you when when they were starting the trade talks, like it was really hard for anyone to think of places that it would make sense for him to go. And then now nothing happened. There's no real traction anywhere for him to get traded, especially, you know, you'd, you'd think that someone would, I think everyone's just waiting for the Damian Lillard uh, trade to happen. Not, and I don't know if that would just reveal that he's like the next best option, but probably all the teams that are thinking of getting Dame, you know, maybe Harden's like their, their second option. So they're not going to do that until they know they can't get Dame. But man, that's just going to be like, how much, how awkward is that for a team, a group of guys, you know, you, you, we're really just a quarter away. You're one quarter away from probably being in the finals last season. Like you, you could argue that you were that close. And then you're a second main guy, doesn't want back, can't get his way. And now he's just going to be back. Like, how do you, how do you sit in a locker room, look at that guy or be on the court, look at that guy and like, trust him that he's going to give us all trust him that he has his best intent. Like that's, that's not maybe not untenable. Maybe that's not the word, but it's definitely not the recipe for a team that's in a really competitive Eastern Conference. Yeah, and it's obviously tough. It's a situation Nick Nurse is gonna have to gonna have to deal with. I, I I'd like to think that he'll be capable of doing that, but it's not one a situation you really want to come into and a new uh, new head coach and job and your second star is someone who has no interest in playing there and wants out, but no one wants to trade him away. It's it's going to be tough. Uh, I, I, the one thing I will look at, hopefully a positive thing that comes out of it, I think Tyrese Maxey should be looking at this situation just saying, I'm going to show everyone that we don't really need Harden here and I can mm. I can absolutely come and fill his shoes. So I, I, I hope that's a, that can be an impact that comes off of this. But the whole situation, the situation as a whole, very strange. Like you said, maybe it's the whole thing with, with Dame and then once that, if that, when that finally goes down, maybe we'll get a move then for Harden. But, you even like like you said, it's just so hard to find it. Really think of a team where this is actually a really good fit for him. Like they could actually offer a somewhat decent package to Philly. Like there's there really isn't that situation around. Like I'm seeing like like the Knicks have been one of the teams being touted to go for Harden. Like why yeah. why would we go for James Harden? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I think that it it's a, it is a big problem that there isn't really any place where you're like, oh he'd be a great fit there they have the assets to to offer a decent package for him there's, i don't see any sort of dream dream fit for him around around the league yeah there's no space for uh for harden on the Knicks in the future especially when you're going to get donovan mitchell there eventually right so 
Um, but yeah, let, let's let's jump into the Clippers. Who I I thought you know maybe that fit makes sense. Maybe that that's where you know his his abilities as a playmaker would really benefit them. And I think that's the biggest thing you look at with this team. I mean, Russ was pretty much the only guy who is like a main playmaker on this team. You know, in John Wall, I mean that that's not that's not your that's that that's not the guy that you wanted to be leading you into a championship. Unfortunately, and it, it's sad to see that that there was such a there's such a slim chance that it worked out for him when he went to Houston. And then like, maybe there's a redemption there in Los Angeles, but you can just tell like, that's, it's just not, it's not the cards for him anymore, but they need, they definitely need a guy who can serve the drink, who can get a lot of the shooters that they had on this team, get them going. And who else, who else but Harden in terms of a playmaker or star. And he was willing to go there, but that's my question for them now. So who, who's going to make everything work out here? Because you want to answer Kawhi, because that's that's the obvious answer. But you'd never know if he's going to be healthy. Is that, is that our? Should we get that dumb question out of the way first? Because that's a question that everyone has to ask. I mean, like the first, like the main questions I have when I think of the Clippers. Obviously, last year they they lost first round. Kawhi obviously in and out of the team didn't really play much of the regular season. Then looks like a superstar, but unfortunately goes down in the second game. Paul George was out of the playoffs. They they lose in the first round and now you're looking like they need to make additions but they have such a lack of assets where can they really go with this team from here and like they you're looking and say should they add James Harden can this team still win do they have enough to win without Paul George and Kawhi being at a hundred percent full tilt I'll go those are kind of the main questions that I look at I mean. I know everyone talks about it, but it is shocking with, with George and, and Kawhi. Like they went all in on those two guys and neither of them have ever played more than 60 regular season games the whole time they've been in Los Angeles. Last year, 56 games for George out of the playoffs. Kawhi plays 52 games. It's it's just not tenable. The, the regular season is important. It's not a thing that you can just take. You can be injured all the all the regular season, then just come come in the playoffs and yeah, easy win, lead the team to the playoffs, win, no problem. Or you can be in and out of the team like by choice and not really take the regular season seriously, and then just think, ah, oh, by the playoffs will be grand. It just doesn't work that way, and the the Clippers are are just a testament to that. I I have an honest question about even the health thing. So well, if you if you answer that, and it's like okay, this is year they finally are healthy, they finally are both able to play. 55 games and not be majorly injured by the playoffs. I'm going to list off some teams and tell me like full health, Paul George, Weiler, it's healthy. Um, are they better than the Pelicans? Yeah. Okay, cool. Are they better than the T-Wolves? Yeah. Okay. All right. Easy. Kings? Yeah. Mavs? I want to say I want to say no, but probably yeah. Should be right, and that, that's where it starts to get okay. Like we're we're kind of there. Grizzlies, jaws back by that time when it matters. Probably still, you probably give the Clippers just just a little bit of edge. Yeah, and I'm talking full like fully healthy Kawhi, fully healthy Paul George. Mm-hmm. Like if that magically somehow happens. Um, all right, Lakers. 
I mean, they, they usually get the better of them. We still haven't got to see that series. Maybe this will be the year, but the, the Clippers usually get the better of them. So maybe you got to say, yeah, they're Think, thinking Lakers and Clippers. You would take you would take right now a healthy Kawhi, Paul George duo with their small ball lineups over Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Austin Reeves, who is now according to 2K an 86, which basically makes him an All Star. So. Nah, screw it. I'll take the. I'll take. I'll, I'll take the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers got to the Western Conference Finals last year. It's it's close. It's definitely close. Now, what about the Warriors? I I, I take them over over the Warriors as much as I like. You believe in Steph, and I probably take Steph over the two of them. Those guys, I think, on the whole, I probably would take them over the Warriors. That that would be an interesting matchup there, and that like that that is where it's also like. I feel like there's a lot of that's where it gets to the chess match. If you get those two teams in a seven game series, you're not sure, you know, whether the Clippers size and they're, I mean, they have like ultra big small ball compared to warriors, but there, then again, like you don't know that that's a close matchup. And then the nuggets, I think is the only team here that nuggets and Suns. for me, I feel confident. I'm definitely taking nuggets and Suns over mm-hmm. Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fully healthy. That's in the mix just off of a quick, just side-by-side comparison. That should be like a fifth seed, fourth, fifth seed mm-hmm. with them fully, fully healthy. Now, one of them goes down. I think they still end up in the same range where they are in the seventh seed. Um, now, that that just seems to be like where I just wanted to like talk about like where do we see them at their baseline, best case, worst case. Worst case, obviously, both of them are injured and then they're – you know, this is a non-conversation. There are better teams here. T-Wolves are better than them with just Kawhi, right? Or just Paul George. I'm taking every single one of these teams over over the Clippers if they do not have both. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Maybe not the Pelicans because, you know, Zion will probably no? be injured too. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> fair, 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 fair. Um, a fully healthy, I was like, again, this is a bunch of ifs. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that that has to happen. And you're right. I mean, they ha- they'd have to play you know, together, hopefully 50, 55 games. They're, they're not, I don't think if they're hitting 60 games, like that, that's, that's a sign to me that things have really, are really looking up. They're playing 60, 60 games. Um, But I think a better, better marker is like, if they're getting rested playing 55 games or so, just under 60. And then that, that's probably when they're at their best fifth seed or so, which they're not, who else on this team do you look at that, that could improve or, or where can growth come from the roster from within? Do you see anything? Not, not really. That's where it kind of makes sense <laughs> to possibly add a guy like Harden because you think he could probably still carry that roster through a couple of regular season games, get them a few wins, even if like Kawhi and PG weren't there, and then he could be that 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 place setter, that playmaker for them as well. So that 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 in that sort of scenario, that's where like the addition of a guy like Harden probably would be a decent move for yeah for the Clippers. But yeah, it's it's uh outside of that, I'm like, yeah, Russ can probably still have an impact off uh, as a as a bench player out there. I hope I hope he's able to do that. But outside of that, I'm kind of like, what what does this team really have? Like they're they're kind of really locked in on their their elite level stars, and then and that's that's kind of it really. Does KJ Martin do anything for you? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm I'm intrigued. I I think that's that's a level of athlete 
that they don't have outside of Norman Powell. Mm -hmm. And I think he's definitely a lot better defensively. He's going to try a lot harder there. And I think that 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 for me is interesting in terms just in terms of like where the man's going to come from because I think they're pretty excited about getting in a younger player like him to see what he's got see if he can take a step forward um the shooting is definitely not where it needs to be for him to be playing next to Paul George and Kawhi right now uh he shot 31.5 percent from three I think that's a lot that's something that no one's talking about right now uh well obviously no one's really talking about KJ Martin to begin with but <laughs> But KJ Martin, as, as an addition to this team, I think it's really intriguing to get a, a young wing that is great rebounder, great in open space, is really going to pick up the pace of this Clippers team that likes to play a little bit slow. And you get guys like that next to guys like Bones, um, just trying trying to like switch things up and how this team plays. And that could be important, but he needs to learn how to shoot. But I, I wonder if if he can take minutes from Norman Powell. Norman Powell's not – he's had a tough – he's had a tough season. Even though he's averaging – 17 points a game for them. I mean, his efficiency has just like really started to fall off. Mm-hmm. And especially when you expect him to do it at volume and consistency, he's not really, he's not really put together the kind of player that you, you hoped he would be. Cause when they got him, I thought that that was, that was their guy. That was guy number three. So I, I'm curious where KJ Martin fits in that. Does Norman Powell maybe, is he a piece that other teams might be interested in given that he hasn't really, brought out the full potential of this team. Yeah, he could be, he could be an asset there, but you think he, he could possibly be someone who's included in a package if they were to make a move for Harden. I'd say there's a, there's a possibility that he'd he'd be one of the names in there. Like they're going to have to give up some sort of assets. They don't exactly have a, an abundance of uh, picks to be giving out because they owe all of those to OKC. So he could be someone that you could, you could see possibly moving if they were to, to try and add Harden. Well, yeah, I think it, there's definitely the the opportunity there for for a guy like him to kind of see less minutes. I think that's definitely definitely on the cards. But also, you're gonna need to see that growth quite early and in like in a big way from a guy like Martin or even like a a Bones Highland to see what like he wanted he wanted out of Denver. But let's see what he can do now for his career. Like what what sort of player is he gonna actually be in this NBA? Is he gonna be a an impactful role player, or is he just going to end up being a nothing who gets bounced around a few teams and out of the league in a couple of years? Yeah, you're you're a bones guy. I, I'd say I'm, I'd say I'm still a bones guy. Yeah, I, I I still I still have belief there. I still like to think that he could be he could have a, have a good impact. Yeah, I have he, not sold my bone stock. Yeah, I'm still no. holding on to my bone stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Maybe maybe I'm not going to go screaming from the rooftops, but I, I still have it. I still have it in, in the in the back pocket. Of course, I'm not going to. Not going to sign off on him on him just yet. So, even on the whole, then you you would you say they're you fully healthy? Like you said, that scenario, like you said, they're they're healthy. They play fifty five games, and outside that, it's just actual rest, not just injuries. They're good to go come playoffs. You believe that this Clippers team, as currently constructed, can still win? I think I think it takes it'll take something special. And I think one thing you see from championship teams is, you know, like what, what, what is like, what is the thing that gets them going this season? And and they have to find, they have to find identities. And this is something you struggle with, find identities that work with Kawhi and Paul George, even though Kawhi and Paul George aren't on the floor. And if they can, if, and this is, you know, this isn't a long shot and this is an all or nothing, could be nothing. But guys like KJ, guys like Bones, okay, guys that you're not really 
expecting to be major contributors if they can if they can add something to this team they they just need they need new life on this team honestly like it's it's getting stale most of their players have been in uh been here for a while i mean you already just had eric gordon jump ship to the suns which i think is it's it's a bigger loss than you think i mean he would have provided such a a steady presence at the two guard and that now you're gonna have to fill with Norman Powell, who, you know, I, I still don't think is as good of a defensive player, but that there's just a lot of things on the margins that still, I think, need to, to be seen. I mean, you know, the Clippers are going to be competitive and this is a long winded way of saying like, I am not confident in looking at them as a championship team without the health. And I think I would feel a little bit more confident if you had some spectacular growth from uh, a couple of their up and coming guys. Cause that, that's, I mean, you, you saw that from Austin Reeves, and I, I don't think that's necessarily a an exceptional uh, case. I mean, you look at the Grizzlies when, when they had um, growth from some of their young guys out of nowhere, even though they were marginal and they they were, you know, as one player, maybe not the craziest improvement. They're not winning most improved, but guys on teams like the Grizzlies, when they get better, the team gets better as a whole, that they raise the sales. Yeah. And if they can get that from those two guys, if, if they can continue to – get even just um, 70% of Russ Westbrook. Yeah. If Westbrook is is still playing at that physicality, at that level, and you're getting enough from maybe Bones to to mix things up a bit, <laughs> it, it just seems like a long shot for all these things to add enough to a team like the Clippers to make me want to pick them over the Lakers. And I think the Lakers, surprisingly, right now, if, if you asked me this last year, I would not have said this, but the Lakers have a formula now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. The the Suns, the Kings, the Nuggets, even the Grizzlies, all these other teams have formulas that make sense that they've added to that they haven't shifted too much, but the Clippers just not have not had the chance to do it consistently enough to the point where anyone right now can confidently say that they're a championship level team. I think they're a sub contender until proven otherwise. Yeah, I think I think you're dead right there. I think the obviously like the, the all the pieces are there. Like they, they got a great coach in Ty Lue. They've got the great stars, but you don't know what the formula really is. You don't really know what how you how you're gonna play. So you're basically like you said, I think sub contenders. And maybe if we actually get to see the health, then maybe you're like, oh okay, maybe maybe they're a contender now. But until we see the health, until we actually see it before our eyes, I don't think there's any way you could really yeah. get behind them being a. Being a team that is a is, should be considered a title contender going going into the going into the new year, yeah. Health in March, health in March. That that's that's the thing. The, the asterisk, and I'll and I'll end on that is is they need to be healthy in March, and it can't be the opposite. Either. If if they're a team that's all of a sudden adding back in Kawhi and Paul George in March, they haven't played in like three months. That they have basically had the same experience as these other teams, like like the Suns that have added a star. And have to figure it all out, adding us to like that, such a major change. But that's I, I hope it works out because I mean obviously that that was supposed to be the fun battle of LA. We were supposed to see Lakers Clippers go at it for three, four, five years, and it hasn't happened yet. So I hope hopefully that's how that's how we, we at least get the playoff series this year. Come on, it, it, time's almost running out, but we won't get into that. And we'll switch over and we'll talk a bit of Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, look Look what they did last year. They traded a, a huge haul to bring in Rudy Gobert. It felt like they were solving a ginormous problem in their team, a ginormous hole in their team that was very evident 
in the playoffs the previous season against the Grizzlies. And somehow their team looked worse. Their record got worse. And they were eliminated the first round of the playoffs. So now you're looking at it and you're thinking, should they maybe trade off Cat? Bring back some of the assets that they lost when they traded Gobert? Is Anthony Edwards the man? Do they believe in him as being the superstar to lead this team? And can they actually still succeed as currently constructed? Or do they have to make a, a switch there? That's that's how I look at that when I'm thinking about, about the Minnesota Timberwolves. That, that major thing, I think this all, the direction will become very clear, I think, from Anthony Edwards. And I'm paying attention. You know, I'm, I'm honestly not watching the games yet until it maybe gets a little further on. But what Anthony Edwards does for Team USA, I think is very important. Very important for him as a player. It's very important for him to show, like, has, has he entered that next level as not just a veteran but like a leader like has he developed that and that is going to be the most important part to because i think he said a lot of really richer things with this past year a lot he could have been a lot more toxic i think about the way that things have gone mm -hmm. and i think that everything has been swirling around the timberwolves have been so negative it's just been about cat not playing up to standard about the go bear trade about how they're not good enough and how things on the floor aren't working but i think that ants has been surprisingly like really positive through all this and you don't always see that from your young player um and maybe he's just the the positive guy in the room and that's that's it but i think that he is he's shown to at least not be detracting from the team and his leadership and team usa if he can bring that back to Tim rules if he can really prove to be like i'm the guy make everything work around me in a non-selfish way and like leading by example especially like with his, his strides in defense. It still has a lot of work to go, but the improvements he did make last season when he was engaged, when he was active, like that was a two-way. That was a guy on offense, like everyone needs to pay attention to him. That was a guy that in short spurts on defense, he was stopping the other team's best player. Like when I look at Anthony Edwards, I mean, when you just look at top top 10 players in the league, like obviously I'm not going to say Anthony me a top 10 player, but with LeBron on the way out, like with you know KD getting older, Harden's obviously not not there anymore. Russ isn't there anymore. Um, Giannis isn't going anywhere. But I mean that there there is a place for Ants in this league to be considered like the best. Oh, one hundred percent. I and I fully believe he could be he can be a top five player within the next next three years. I think. Yeah, I I don't I don't think it's crazy to say. I don't think that's crazy to say, and I think none of this matters. Literally none of this matters if, if you know, the light bulb moment happens, whether that's Team USA or whatever, and, you know, all the little things come together with his shot selection, with his paying attention on defense, with his reads on pick and rolls, with his, his reads as a passer in pick and rolls, um, just, just all these little things. If they really start to come together and things click, like that's when you have a big jump here. And that's if Anthony Edwards is a top eight Top ten player, whatever. If if he has reached that point, who cares if Carl Anthony Towns isn't playing well enough? Who cares if Rudy Gobert can't catch a basketball within three feet? Yeah, I mean we still care, but that will matter so much less just based on his greatness. If he is truly that great, mm -hmm. then it, then it's just about working the margins. And I think I mean the T wolves are good enough 
as a dysfunctional team to make the playoffs. And, you know, I don't think they were just saying this, but I mean, the Nuggets have admitted, and it was pretty evident on the floor too, that, you know, so a lot of those stretches against the T-Wolves are some of the hardest basketball that they had to play. Yeah. And again, the, the Timberwolves did that against the Grizzlies too, a couple years back when, when the Grizzlies were almost there, that the Grizzlies were almost there to beat, to beat the Warriors. They, they would have been there against the Celtics. If I think if Ja doesn't go, go down. And just by, I think if you, if you looked at that context, I think that Silver Wolves would give them, them similar problems. So I think that really it's all about Ant. They can't fix this. The, the asset situation, that they're in such a hole. Mm-hmm. If if a trade magically came along where, where you could get it back, I, I just don't think that you would get back. You I don't know how much addition by subtraction you would get by getting Cat out of there. You might. I, I don't know. I mean, just just looking defensively, it, it was really tough. I mean, the Cat's just not, and this is so obvious when, when the trade is made, um, he's just not able to stay in front of smaller fours. Mm-hmm. He's not able to make quick reads to get back and help. Like he's he's not a good weak side rib protector. And when you got two guys out there, it's not it's not easy. So I, I don't know. Do you do you really think that one year showed that they can't make it work? Is that impossible? Yeah, that that that's the thing. Is like you probably need to give it a bit more time, and you're probably in a position where you're able to give it a bit more time because Ant isn't yet at the level. Where you're like, okay, it's win now. We have to do what's best for him right at this very moment. So I think there's time there to give it, maybe maybe another year, maybe even another half a year, and then maybe maybe look at it from there. But the only thinking from my end is that you think about the way they looked last year. You think that his cat's value isn't going to go up playing in the current yeah. in this current team. I think it could stay the same. But I think it's more likely that his value goes down if it continues to be this like dysfunctional, doesn't bad fit because he's not going to look at his best. Gobert's not going to look his best, and then the team as a whole is probably going to struggle. But like you said, if about Ant, like if he becomes that guy, that's not going to matter as much. But in terms of building the best team around Ant, when for when he is that that dude, maybe they're going to have to make a move because it. it I hope I'm proven wrong because I, I love to see Anton Cat be the two guys leading this Timberwolves team into consistent playoff success. But looking at it last year, it just doesn't feel like it's gonna it's gonna fit. And I don't see them; they're not gonna move off of Gobert because they're not gonna get anything close to back to what they what they traded for him. So I think the value guy is Carl Anthony Towns. But like you said, it's like what sort of assets will they really get back? What sort of Starting level players, are they going to get back in a, in any trade for Cat? That's something I'd have to delve into a bit more and do do a bit more research on. Um, I this is super random, and this is just a just entertain this thought for a second. But like, a guy guys like Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, Kelly Oubre, uh, Terry Rozier, just just those names there. Maybe not the most exciting in the world to to see as a return for for Carl Anthony Towns. But I mean you just look at teams that are kind of in random places right now. Like the the Hornets are in a weird place. The Bulls are in a weird place. There's teams in the Eastern Conference that like are just kind of like not sure what they're doing. And adding an all-star, one of the best shooting bigs in NBA history. And they be that that those are teams that are interested in doing something like that. And if you can get back 
really good offensive wings, two-way wings, more mobile bigs. I mean, having having guys that can play alongside Gobert, mm-hmm. that can amplify what Gobert does instead of taking away from that, that that is major addition by subtraction. Because that my thing about last year, and you know, just thinking about it more now that we're talking about it, about how much time you need to know whether or not Cat and Gobert work together. I think it's already been decided because the best that you ever saw when, when you put together two guys consistently, when you put together five guys consistently, like, can you, can you see, are there, are there games where you can go back and be like, you know what, maybe you didn't do it throughout the whole season, but in that game, you figured it out and something clicked and like, that was such an unstoppable twin tower moment. Like no one could score at the rim and then cats like dropping bombs while go bears catching lobs. But nobody, there's never any traction. There's never any real synergy. And like its best was like mediocre. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you have Gobert. Like that should be, that should be a top 10 defense with Gobert. But it's not. And we've seen what happens with, with Gobert when, you know, when you're not having him be a defensive anchor, when he gets kind of switched out on and when he gets into too much, uh, too much uh, recovery on defense when there's just too much motion going on. And it's not like plainly set up where Gobert's defending the rim. Everything's getting funneled to him. He can play drop defense instead of all these schemes that they have to do to keep cat out there. Then you're just not getting the best out of either of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this has already been rehashed here, but I, I think, you know, thinking, thinking about it again, there seems to be no reason why these two should be together long-term. And again, Miles Bridges, maybe not exciting. PJ Washington, maybe not super exciting, but those are great players. Those are great two-way players. And again, if Ant is going to be a borderline top 10 player, he's cementing himself as a top 10 player, period. Just getting guys who are going to fit their roles and play them well and getting the best out of a uh, defensive hub like Gobert. I mean, that that is a recipe there for a contending level team not what this little experiment they have here right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And obviously it's like it's the star chasing league. Like you see the moves that other teams in the West uh, are making and maybe then in your in the Timberwolves position you're like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't trade off a cap because we need we need that we need that that second star to play with Ant like Ant can be that elite level player that can drive up the the production of the role role players around him. And I fully believe he's going to get to that level. I have, I've believed in him since he was drafted by the Timberwolves. So I fully believe he's going to get to that level. So as long as they've got athletic two-way wings, a, a defensive stopper like, like Gobert, like a playmaker like Conley, playing alongside Anthony Edwards, you don't need to have that that star, uh, two-star two beside beside Ant because he's going to be that good alone and he's going to elevate the level of the players around him. So the focus for me for the Timberwolves is all about how can they get the best out of Ant? How can they build the best team around Anthony Edwards? And that's where I think that maybe it's time to, to move on from cat. It'd be a big decision. They'd have to, they'd have to really analyze the market and try and get a really decent package for him. But there definitely is enough of a market and they could definitely get in. I'd say a, a first round pick or two and, and a couple of very decent role players from, from more, from more than, more than two or three teams, I think would be interested in, in adding a guy like Kat and could pr- provide a, a, a pretty decent package for them. Yeah. Any players on this team, whether they're acquired in this off season or um, anyone that no one's really thinking about that intrigue you on this team that could maybe make things a little different. 
I mean, like the the the, the main story for the Timberwolves offseason was Ant changing his number. So, I mean, there's not a there's not too much there. I mean, like yeah. if Shake Milton, could he be a a, a nice <laughs> addition as a role player, possibly? But outside of that, you're like, yeah, I was happy Nazareth got paid. That was cool. Then yeah. you're looking at, at like a few other guys and you're thinking like is like is it that much you get excited about? Not really, but I don't know. Have you got anyone on your mind when you when you ask you ask the question? Well, too, I, I think there, there's the obvious the obvious one is Jade Jade McDaniels mm-hmm. played 79 games and went from 32% from three last year to 39, basically their 40% three point shooter. And a guy who's a ball absolute ball stopper, superstar defensive player. I think he, he should be an all defensive player uh, next year. I mean that that guy, if he continues to add to his game, averaged twelve point one points this year, averaged nine point two the year before that, got his free throw rate up. Um, but he, I think, has shown a little bit more putting the ball on the floor, being a better catch and shoot guy, being more confident there. That if he can turn things up as well, at his age, I would not be surprised if he's like a, maybe not a borderline all star, but if he goes into being like a top forty, top forty player, he he has that two way potential. I mean, defensively, like he's I mean top, top ten, top twenty player right now, depending on who you ask. Um, and a random a random guy. This could be all or nothing. But this is something that I've always been interested in just because of his size and like his his playmaking and you know his shooting potential. I mean, it hasn't come together. But Nikhil Alexander Walker has bounced around a little bit. And I just I am really curious if he can get a chance here. Because he's shown flashes. Like he whenever he gets minutes, like he'll 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 really make the most of them. But he just does not get time. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of things that come down to how crowded it was. Uh, with the Pelicans, you know, how crowded it was uh, in Utah. And here with the Timberwolves, who does he have? He's got Jaden, not Jaden, J-Mac, Austin Rivers. Who else? I mean, Shake Milton is more of a two, Mm. playing NAW at the one. But he's somebody that, you know, we're we're talking about guys. You acquire in the offseason, you take a chance. And sometimes those chances ended up working out. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if he's somebody that can come out of nowhere, a reclamation project who can be a solid rotation guy for, uh, the Timberwolves. Is that all or nothing? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, definitely an all or nothing sort of nothing. situation, but it's not, <laughs> let's, let's be real. It's probably nothing, but there's still enough optimism there that it could still be something. So it's definitely not something to, to completely, uh, to completely yeah. shut down, but. Yeah, looking ahead, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I think like you're saying about Ant, it's gonna be interesting to see what he's like with Team USA. That's that that's definitely gonna be interesting to watch and see what level he comes back at, and see what what the Timberwolves do from here. But the it could be a, there's a, there's a big season ahead for for Minnesota. It could be a, a very bright and successful one with Ant kind of taking that another leap. He's always shown the steady growth, and maybe maybe in some crazy realm they find a, a way to make it work. Maybe they trade off Cat and, and it looks a whole lot better. But uh, Questions definitely to be answered from Minnesota, but stop speaking of the future. Let's go back to the past. Let's head over to the throwback corner and talk about a guy who I believe does not get enough recognition as one of the greatest of all time. 
the face of Boston basketball, Larry Bird. His greatness does not get talked about enough. You hear all the all the talk about players giving their top tens, the the best of all time, and and you very rarely hear Larry Bird's name get mentioned. But this guy was an absolute monster, one of the one of the greatest ever for me, and a guy that was the face of the league, saved the league along with Magic Johnson back in the eighties. Where where does he? The, the interesting thing about Bird is that he's a guy that does not fit the, like, for our generation, like, our idea of what a superstar is. Um, He's not athletic, straight up. Look back, like, that That was not his strong suit. He was not dunking over anybody. He was not finishing over anybody. He was, at times, missing layups. But I think his his skill level, though, it's something that you can't really appreciate until you look back and you watch some games, you look back and you see the kind of players he's dominating. And you realize that in the eighties, second to magic Johnson, that was like the best playmaker in the league one of the best offensive rebounders in the league, the best shooter in the league. And like just the, what, what he could have done, I think in this era with the the spaced out uh, floor, I think that's a crazy thing. Like when, when we have to go back and talk about these players and look at at 80s basketball like it is just so congested man it's like how i don't understand how anyone scored back then except for, you know back back to the basket you know a, a lot of a lot of grungy offensive rebounding that's why you had two bigs at the same time but i i think when you rank him where, where do you put him in terms of like offensive players so i i see he's like top top five he's like, oh 100 this see his his iq was off the charts that he was a genius of a player and you think about the level of iq he had to have as a guy who wasn't dominating athletically, and like you saw that on the court, the passes, the reads, the like the shooting ability that he had as well, he he was he was next level. Like I I for what he did for the league and the ability that he has. Obviously, I wasn't watching him live when he was playing, but when you look back and you watch the tape and, and you hear the the way he's talked about, he for me is in, he's in he's on my Mount Rushmore. He's in he's in my top five all time. I, I I really believe he was one of the one of the greatest of all time, and maybe it's forgotten about because of like the last few years were quite injury ridden. He didn't really have that that longevity. But thirteen the over his thirteen years in the league, like he was he was he was a monster. Everyone knew Larry Bird. Everyone feared Larry Bird, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you list off the things he was he was he did did it all. Three time MVP, three time champ, two time Finals MVP. Only player in NBA history to average 24, 10, and 6. Created the 50, 40, 90 clubs. Career averages of 51, 38, and 88. And like two of the GOAT nicknames of all time. I mean, Larry Legend and the Hick, the Hick from French Lick. Top, top, top tier, top tier nicknames right there. This guy was, was unbelievable. I think the, we, we were talking about, you know, trying to think about players, um, in today's period, j- just for people to kind of get a sense of like put put into context, like how good some of these historical players were, especially because the context of basketball is different in terms of like what the strategy was, what the physicality, whether it was different or not. Um, the athleticism was definitely different. And and I think it, it's a weird and maybe a pedestrian comparison, but his finishing around the rim is what's insane. I mean, a six, nine um, forward, but getting messy with, seven footers with the physicality in the eighties too. I mean, there's a reason why he broke down. I mean, th- this guy was a max hustle player 
and that and that's something like first and foremost that I, I wanted to point out when when watching uh Larry Bird you don't always see that level of like dogged mentality like just going after every loose ball like there's so many highlights of him diving after loose ball and getting an assist right after like be on the ground getting an assist uh getting thrown down because he's getting uh getting into position for offensive rebounds and like that level of hustle for your best player that that is so impressive you don't see that with like 90 percent of stars out there they just don't do that sort of thing saving their body um but i think when you look at how he finished around the rim it's fascinating to kind of compare him to Jokic a little bit just in terms of like his post play and his footwork is was so like so perfect and it's like he always knew the counter he always knew and that that came from one thing that was very special about watching the tape is how quickly you get a shot off. As soon as that ball is in his hands, he could just rise up and shoot. Immediately rise up and shoot. Almost like, I think we were talking about comparing them to different players, right? Like Clay Thompson, the way that the ball hits Clay Thompson's hands and he's already in shooting motion, it was like the same thing. You would see Larry Bird be in the post and as soon as the ball is his way, he's, his feet are already turning, getting his shoulder square and he's shooting right over that guy. Mm-hmm. And then he would turn that, almost like Jokic would know, you know, someone's coming right from his left side. As soon as he gets the ball, he's spinning. He's spinning right, and like drops that right immediately. Knows and like the quick moves, just that IQ that he had to counter everything. That started from him being a really, really adept shooter. Just the second the ball touched his hand, was amazing. And then those Jokic-like floaters around the rim. Those very like uh, that's when we compare athleticism, right? Like if you just watch highlights of of Larry Bird like shooting little floaters over guys within four feet, that's not. That's not like, oh my God, that's a top 10 player ever. Like look at him dominating everybody, but he would do that all game. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't, and he would never get tired of that. He would do that to everybody. And he was smart enough to counter everything that other teams had for him. And it's almost like it, when I think 10, 15 years from now, if people look back and just watch a clip of Jokic, unless it's passes, like they'll be like, why, why was this guy back-to-back MVP? Mm-hmm. What, why? what what are we seeing here but it's it's that consistent knowing how to play chess knowing how to like out out iq everybody on the floor not just with the the shooting but the passing too um it that really opened my eyes to that watch i consistently and think about the players in the league today and like the combination of shooting and playmaking and rebounding and all that he's such just an amazing all-around player oh yeah for sure and like you think about it like you think of like his like greatest qualities probably is his IQ, his his scoring and shooting ability, and then kind of like the the grit and determination side as well. Like you think like he like he was a match for LeBron James in terms of level of IQ. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like a hundred percent. And like that, like LeBron's the guy that everyone always talks about. Like his IQ was off the charts. Library was the exact same way. And then in terms of like the the, the scoring, the tree level scoring for like a big guy, like. He's like he'd be doing what like Kevin Durant does now. I I fully believe if he was playing in the league today and and it was more the the way Boston played back in the day, if they like allowed him to be in position to shoot more three pointers and things like that, I I fully believe he would have been doing similar things to what Kevin Durant does as a as a three level mm. scorer. And mm. then you, you think like the 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 obviously like the arrogance he had. The, the trash talking everything like the amount of guys the stories you hear like he literally go will tell you this is exactly what i'm gonna do but you won't be able to stop it <laughs> and he and he and he just goes and do it no, no problem like 
and the story with like playing the game left-handed because he was saving his right hand for the Lakers and and what did he, he scored like near nearly 50 points and like half of them were the left hand like this guy had unbelievable confidence unbelievable arrogance and just all around all around just great great ability he was he was in a in a in a different class to a lot of people and and it needs to it needs to be talked about more people need to Listen to this now. Go back and watch some Larry Bird highlights, and you will realize what a talented player this guy was. Do you think it's it's crazy to think about like if you like if you were to try to explain to someone who watched today and not know or have seen anything about Larry Bird? I I feel like watching the kind of passes he makes, I I maybe again I said this is a little hanging fruit, but Luka Doncic, the way Luka like predicts passing lanes, predicts the the you know the third action you only gonna compare him to white guys (laughs) no i know i know i know i know and when i was thinking about it i was like this is not what i'm trying to do but like but the way that the way that luca sees the floor from his height and the way that Jokic does with his height too i think that's that's a big difference because because larry bird as a as a post playmaker with his height could do so much more than you know a a regular point guard could Mm -hmm. um and I think if you if you just compare those two guys and just imagined if Luca was a two time all defensive player, and if if Luca was a top five like offensive rebounder for his position, like great rebounder but offensive rebounder like you know you saw Larry Bird like go getting down and dirty in the paint with seven footers in the eighties like that's that kind of energy that he had and. I think that should put into perspective for anyone who watches mostly modern NBA and doesn't know that, including myself, honestly, that that is that's that's another echelon of player because we, we put Luca on a big pedestal because he's like, oh, that, that's easily top five player in our league of our generation, top five player of our generation. But like he's missing so many attributes that Larry Legend had. And for two guys that are wing playmakers, not because they're whites, but they're wing playmakers. Mm-hmm. He's just miles ahead and i think that just goes to show for me too that uh for a guy i'm a huge fan of luca has a long way to go to become a legendary all-time player and just because he came in as luca legend he did not earn the right to be called luca legend because mm-hmm. there is only one legend it's larry legend and he hasn't earned that yet defensively on the boards what he did in the finals what he did in the playoffs um obviously i, I will say i will say uh kevin McHale, was the best scores of his generation. And he was arguably top top two, top three scorers in certain years in the in the 80s. So I mean Larry had help and he had a great defense around him too. Like that team was very good. Mm-hmm. Very good. So if, if the Mavs gotta get something together to to compare the two. But I mean same thing Jokic has a team around him that's perfect and look how well he's done. So but just just to add perspective to it, I think it's it's when you may try to make those comparisons, it's really hard to because there are very few complete players, and then you have to just look over to the easy one, LeBron. LeBron's a complete player. Larry was a complete player. Yeah, that that that, that that's that's uh, that's definitely the big thing, and that's why like I I only kind of got into watching when I'm watching some like thirty for thirties and old documentaries, and I kind of see the way he plays. And even my, like, I remember my parents, I like, talk about it. They weren't even that big into basketball, but like you knew when you knew about Larry Bird, you knew you knew that the Lakers were playing the Celtics. You always 
You always knew that when you were you were living in America in the eighties. You know when that was happening, and that was just such a such a huge thing. And it's he's definitely he's not giving enough credit because he's he's not a guy that's freaking always having to talk. He's he's happy he's happy in, in his retirement. And also another credit to him, he's a guy that could do it all. Only guy in, in ever to what win MVP, coach of the year, and executive of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, true. He he's been, he's he's obviously a very intelligent man. So he he's been able to to do it all. Obviously, never won the chip as a coach, but he led that Indiana team and really pushed the the, the Michael Jordan Bulls to to the edge. So this this is a an all around NBA man. He knows he knows what's up and one of the one of the greatest of all time. And I I'm glad we got to talk on him because. He's someone I don't think that gets gets enough recognition in these modern times. Absolutely. Now we got to talk about the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going we're going the complete other way now, and we're going to uh, we're going over to a little draft, and we're only allowed to draft players who were draft flops, some of the top picks all time that crashed and burned in the NBA, and fortunately, there's a. There's a, there's a lot of names to choose from, but you you definitely know the most. You'll, you'll 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 remember a few of these anyway. Yeah. So to clarify, we will be picking teams for each other. So last week, I'm pretty sure I still won that draft, our all time draft. And this week, we'll be seeing who can draft the worst team for the other. So who's who's I think I started out last time. So I'm gonna give you the first pick of all time busts. Who are we going with with your first pick? For you, I'll give you a, a classic that uh, a lot of people will remember: the 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 great Anthony Bennett, the number uh, one overall pick in 2013 by the Cleveland Cavaliers. They 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 got it so right with Kyrie, and then two years later, they got it they got it so very wrong with Anthony Bennett. Yeah, that I think that has to be like the the one that everybody remembers this generation. That that was the most obvious one, and I think that one was interesting too because. You know that there wasn't it wasn't a surprise to anybody it was like that that guy was not they overthought it they tried a 200 iq it and take a guy that they thought was gonna make a major 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 move here in the nba but honestly it, it doesn't make sense to me I, I i thought you know watching him you watch some summer league from him you're like oh this guy can play he's kind of a tweener you put the ball on the floor he's athletic he's big maybe he's like a skilled he almost looks like a skilled less athletic zion williamson but uh, yeah, that that didn't go anywhere. All right, that that was that was easy easy first pick easy first pick. Um, I'm gonna go with the greatest bust ever in this generation, Johnny Flynn. For context, Timberwolves take Ricky Rubio. Still have a chance to draft Steph. Then they take Johnny Flynn, two top ten picks. They take two guards before Steph Curry, Johnny Flynn. No idea where he is now. That is your starting point guard, Ronan. How you feel about that? Yeah, that's a uh, that, that's that's not, that's not great for me. When a guy gets uh, gets gets drafted highly, and you look at it, it's obviously the big thing of who he got drafted before. When you look back now, and it's also the fact that he is all also well out of the league. I, I couldn't tell you when he how how quickly he even went out of the league, but he definitely didn't. Uh, he definitely didn't last too long. I, I, I'm not. I'm not overly excited about having him in a, in, in my team. I, I, yeah, I could be in trouble here. But 
for you, I'll, I'll go for another legendary man, and he's very legendary mainly because of who he got picked ahead of. But for you, a forward, forward slash center, Greg Oden, the number one pick, oh, 2007. That's not fair. Picked over Kevin Durant, only ended up playing 105 games in the league. I mean, at the end of the day, he was the number one pick. You, there's expectations when you're a number one pick, and he he did not fulfill them in any way, shape, or form. See, I wanted – here's my thing with Greg Oden. You know what? I'm glad you put him on a team because I believe that Greg Oden doesn't count as a bust. Okay. This man was injured. Just injured if he just had a the body for it. <laughs> that those those ones are tough to to see to see guys who uh you know should have been great and they their body would just not agree with them. Uh there's so many so many examples of that. But I, I think he's the ultimate ultimate example of that. So um all right, you you're really going after the the injury cases already. It's kind of cheap. I'll give you a better one. If we're going for forwards, centers, I'm going with the guy who was supposed to be the next Dirk Nowinski because he's a seven-footer. He's from Europe, and he was selected over Melo. He was selected over Wade. He was selected over Chris Bosh. I'm giving you Darko Milicic. Yeah, yeah I knew that was coming. Yep. <laughs> yeah, see that. that's not surprising. It's classic. That's classic. And we almost we kind of did that again with uh, – with when we got Luca, and now every time there's like a wing coming in from Europe, coming in from a Euro League or a Turkish League, hey, that might be the next guy. That might be the next Luca. But Darko was not the next. Uh, was not the next Dirk. Yeah, it's it's changed now, but there was a good like there was a good like 10, 10 year period where it was literally like every big guy from Europe. Oh, this guy's gonna be the next Dirk. This guy's gonna be the next Dirk. And like, <laughs> it's almost doing a, a doing a disservice to how great yeah, Dirk seriously. Nowitzki was. Like, he was an unbelievable talent. Like, not every player is gonna be Dirk Nowitzki because he was a a generational talent and I'm one of the the, the greatest Dallas Mavericks of, of all time. So yeah. The, the the who he got picked ahead of the the expectations that were on him and the way he it ended up for him yeah that's a that's that's not great for me I'm I'm gonna be generous with my next pick for you I'm gonna this is probably gonna be a guy that you like but another sad case <laughs> that got drafted very high and is already out of the league at 28 years old Jabari Parker number oh, two pick that's sad. back in 2014. He had a couple of years where you're like, oh, maybe this there is something here, but it just it just never fully clicked, and and it was one or two, probably the second third year, he he kind of had nice averages, but didn't really still didn't play that many games, and then slowly but surely he bounced around a few teams, and then he, and then he was gone. My 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 player compares for that. If Jabari Parker does not tear both ACLs, Jabari Parker is. As good, if not better, than Julius Randle. That's the kind of player he would have been. That's who he should have been. He should have been a a better version of Julius because he had handles. He he could he could put the ball on the floor a little better than Randle could. More natural shooting touch than Randle. And he had that same size, same ability to get in the paint. That's that that's sad. You keep picking sad cases, man. I'm trying to make you re- regret. You're just making me sad here. But let me <laughs> let me give you a big regret. I'm going to give you Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. And maybe some people won't say he's a bust. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Great defensive player, sure. But at second pick, he was taken before 
Brad Beal, Damian Lillard, Barnes, Drummond. I think that in terms of team regret, which is Johnny Flynn, Darko Milicic, I'm, I know that MKG will fit in there quite nicely. A guy who just did not, could not play offense when he was drafted, had no shot at all, zero, you know, perspective to become an offensive player. I don't know what Charlotte was thinking, taking him number two. Yeah, that's just the story of Charlotte. They, 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 they have a few, they have a few uh, down the years, a few ones that they, uh, that they messed up on. And, and like you said, like when you're, when you're going as a top pick, you have either got to be like the greatest defender who ever lived, or you have to be like a two way, a two way, at least some sort of two way ability. Anyway, he was definitely one that, uh, yeah, the, the Hornets, the Hornets, I don't know what they were thinking when they, uh, when they made that pick. I'll go for another number one overall pick. One slightly forgotten. It's because he was in a pretty weak class, but Toronto Raptors, 2006, the number one overall pick, Andrea Bargnani. Oh. He, like, he had a, a somewhat okay career, but when you're the number one pick, they, they drafted him number one. He was going to be meant to be a guy that kind of, changes uh, the franchise, kind of puts them into a better position, and that's not really something that he he ever really did in Toronto. I forgot about that. I mean, right after that, too, is LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. That same draft, Brandon Roy. But that, that one was a, that one was a pretty pretty trash top ten. I mean, the next next best oh, yeah. would be Rudy, Go, Rudy Gay. Uh, and then that oh man that was that was the fateful draft that should have been the Marcus Aldridge going to the Bulls but it's like Tyus Thomas. Yeah, that, that that's the only thing that saves Andre a bit is just that it was a it was a pretty weak class, but he's still the number one overall pick, and he still did not have the impact that he should have, and that uh, I think Toronto were expecting. I'm gonna give you a guy. That is pretty ironic for me personally because th- this is a guy I was really high on, and this is a guy actually, you know, when it was 2017, I was excited that the Celtics might pick him. I was really pushing the you know, Celtics should pick him. He's a great player. He's going to be a really, really electric two-way wing. Got a ton of skills in the open court. Could definitely get it going at defense. He could be an all-defensive player. Josh Jackson. Yeah, I'm giving you Josh Jackson. I got man, just like all the talent in the world, and just could not figure it out. And we won't go over all his escapades, but a guy who's disappointed me as a fan of him, time and time again, no matter where he went. And good luck with him on your team. Yeah, yeah, we won't get into it all, but yeah, you're right. That guy is definitely someone that he, he showed the flashes, he showed the, the the potential, and he just never did anything to really to really pull through on it. And that's unfortunately the case for. For a lot of these, and uh, to, to to finish out your team, one of the one of the more prominent flops of the early two thousands, Kwame Brown, the number one. Kwame Brown, no, how did I forget the Kwame first, Brown? The first high schooler to go number one. He was gonna be the guy. He was gonna be the next great thing. He ended up averaging six point six points and five point five boards for his career, and was nothing of what was expected when he went number one overall. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot Kwame. How did I forget Kwame? All right, that's I pretty much lost that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if I can beat that now. Uh, actually, no, I, I, I'm going to beat that. I'm going to give you another 2008 player. 
2008 player drafted before Harden and Curry. So Johnny Flynn is his fellow 2008 boy. A lot of busts in 2008 compared to guys that should have been drafted. Number two to the Grizzlies, I'm giving you Hashim Thabit. Yes, yes. Hashim yes. Thabit. <laughs> I'm, le- I'm leaving you with a guy who I won't even – those averages, I- I'm surprised they even reached single digits. But <laughs> this is – this is every time – this stresses me out when, when teams be taking big men without, without skills. And I think that's really changed. Like – Teams are taking like interesting projects these days, and guys who just have traditional big man skills are, you know, often taken much later. But that, I mean, made no sense at the time. It still makes no sense now. But you got Johnny Flynn, Josh Jackson, MKG, Darko Milicic, and at your five, Hashim Tabi. Who yeah. has the worst team here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what way, what way really to 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 look at this now. Who? What, My what team's all in IR. You gave me guys who can't even like they're yeah, exactly. they're going to be got a bunch of guys who can't even get on the floor. So going to be five on three. Going to win like so. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the. I think I, I think I got to take the W on this one. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think you got to think of that. I, I did I not think about that. <laughs> I think I've come back on you. The, the Kwame Brown one definitely definitely drove it home. That was one. Yeah, that was one you slipped on and you forgot about. Dude, poor Kwame Brown. Like, I feel like he's always every year. There's always like one month of the year where just him being a bust resurfaces, and like he just gets harassed by the internet, and just he just can't live a normal life. I remember he was on a podcast. Like, you try to average six points, five boards in the NBA. <laughs> okay. I mean, if I'm gonna get that contract and uh, and then trying to uh, if you they want to give me the opportunity to do it, I'd be more than happy to try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's an easy way to go. But yes, I'm taking back the win. We got. Uh, you will we'll let you have the win from last week. I'll take the win this week. It's a we're 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 very evenly matched, you know. We're gonna go. I think we're gonna go back and forth, and hopefully next 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 draft. We don't know what it's gonna be yet, but I'll uh, I will make sure we both do our homework, and, and it'll be a, and it'll be another good battle. But to finish off, have you got anything for a bit of would you rather? I think I, I just have a couple of them for for you for you today. I'll let you shoot this week. Okay. One that I don't know, maybe you'll have a quick answer for it, but thinking now the situations that the both players are in, at this moment, who would you rather build around, build your franchise around, build your team around? Zion Williamson or Ja Morant? What? Are there any stipulations of this? Is this like current, like right now? At this very moment, say you're about to start a team and your your choice is there. You can either build around Zion, who's injured all the time, or you can build <laughs> around Ja, who is flashing guns, getting suspended, looking like he may not be on the on the greatest track. Which which side of the which side of the coin are you going with? Okay. Can I choose what city I'm in? Because I don't I think if I get Zion to uh I don't know, to, to Portland, there's a lot of organic, healthy food. In Portland, a lot better lifestyle choices. I think I'm pretty good. But also, if I get Ja to Cleveland, where there's nothing to do, and he can't even get in trouble because there's nothing to do out there, then I don't know. It, it depends on the city. I, I think Ja will get his act together before Zion gets his body together, unfortunately, because one is genetics and one is just like some – unfortunate life choices and i i think i believe i still believe in josh as as a person as a man i think he's still young and i just i i just logically have to believe in that more than i believe in zion's 
unbelievable, like freakish athlete body, not continuing to break down, which sucks to say, but I, I think I'd still take, I think I'm still common taking job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that's a, uh, that, that, that's, that's probably fair. I probably, I probably would go the same way as much as I, it'd be a tough decision for me because I'm pretty, I'm pretty hard out on, on the two of them at this very moment, but, uh, one, one more. We we probably kind of answered it before. I think I know what way you're going to go with this, but keep it simple. Would you rather be a, the, a bench player on a title team or the superstar of a loser? Think about bench, being... How many a, minutes am I getting? What do you mean by bench? Am I in the rotation? Let's look at am it this I way. In the you're, like, you're like the Yodonis Haslam of, uh, of the Miami oh, no. Heat. Or you're like superstar, 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 superstar. Of a team that never, that's never, that's never, never going to win a title. You're taking, you're going superstar. What if I'm like, what if I'm, all right, not Udonis Haslam, bro. If if you give me, if you give me what, oh, a bench player, can it? Can I be Derek White? Or is that too much? Nah, Derek White, that's too much. Come on, man, that's too much. Can it? Can I be like? Uh, Andre Iguodala is too much. So I'm, I, I gotta be Udonis Haslam. Mm-hmm. All you gotta, I gotta do is be Udonis Haslam. You gotta wait wait <laughs> How many championships am I winning? Two. Two? Superstar. What level superstar are you talking? Like, am I, am I getting in the Hall of Fame? Yes. My Hall of Fame well, player. People are, people are maybe questioning it because you didn't win, but at the same time, you were you were you were up there. You're you're there, like top five voting of the MVP every year. That sort of buzz, every, but every year, bro. Okay, you know what? I although I am a winner, I am a winner. I I gotta you know I'm I gotta stick with the superstar man. I'm not being Udonis Haslam. <laughs> Udonis Haslam. Who wants to be Udonis Haslam? Udonis Haslam didn't even want to be Udonis Haslam anymore. Dude, he has a great like, though. He's a coach. He's a coach being paid like, and he doesn't have to actually coach. He's just quote unquote leader. I'm sure he's, he's good now. Maybe I'm sure he's probably getting in the coaching staff in Miami. Is he now that he's not technically on the uh, on the roster anymore? I don't even know yeah. if that's that's the way he's, he's going. I'm sure it is, and that, that power to him. Hopefully, hopefully he can have some success there. He's basically been doing it for the last like ten years, but sure, whatever. I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, interesting to continue our series about the likes of the teams that got those questions answered ahead of the new year. There's still a couple of teams we're going to be looking at over, over the next few pods. I love talking to Larry Bird and, and anyone who's listening, any of our older older fans, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, thinking back on those days and for anyone who doesn't know about Larry Bird, hasn't watched enough of him, go back, go on to YouTube, watch his highlights. This guy was a menace and one of the, one of the greats of all time. I took the crown back in the draft and Chris would rather be a superstar than Udonis Haslam. Pro- probably fair, but my thanks to Chris for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening and remember, take every shot and love every moment.